Well, good morning and welcome to Northeast Community Church. I'm so excited that you guys have decided to come and worship with us this morning. I know you could have chosen any other place to be on a Sunday morning, but you decided to be with us. And for that, I'm grateful. My name is Sean and I'm the lead pastor here. And we are ending uh, or wrapping up a series entitled A Season to Love. And today is also the last day of Advent. So we're going to talk about love a little bit today, if you don't mind. For you guys who've been around, I know some of you may be thinking, we've been talking a lot about love lately. It's kind of one of those topics that you can never get enough of, you know? What did Dionne Warwick say? What the world please now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that just just too little love. But seriously, Jesus has made love a huge priority in the lives of believers. And once we can grasp the fullness of what he means by love, we will be much better off. So another love sermon on the deck, shall we? In Matthew 5:44, Jesus lays out for us a harsh reality that many of us do not like to hear. As a matter of fact, Jesus outlines this reality often throughout the scripture. But we just stick our fingers in our ears and say, we don't want to hear it. We refuse to listen. As the old adage says, talk is cheap. They also say, action speaks louder than words. God fully knows this. And to us, he has set in action the most beautiful display of love known to man. We're going to talk this morning about it. I'm so excited. But before we dive into it, we need to establish a couple of things about love. One, love is a mandate. It's not optional. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Our duty is to love. We can't ignore the command. Did you know that God places such a high premium on our priority uh, and a priority on our ability to display love? But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And taking a look at the scripture, do you think that basically wraps it up for us? <laughs> All of God's word is dependent, is built upon love. So I have to ask, why do we get it so wrong at times? The Sunday school answer, of course, is sin. But what does that answer look like when we examine it a little bit closer? We could say because of sin, we have lost our ability to experience God correctly. We've lost our ability to trust him. So what should we do? Well, we try and conjure up faith all the time. We try and brainwash ourselves and place our hope in him. But without experiencing Christ up close and personal, without knowing him in our inner man, it's a fruitless experience. It just won't work. And so we need to experience God. The Apostle Paul explained to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians, he said, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. 
but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Underline that part in your Bible. Just as God now, right now, in my most obscure moments, he knows me completely. We got to come back to that in a minute before the service is over. But we need to understand that he loves us. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You see, our ability to walk with Christ and obey God's word is wrapped up in experiencing him. Ponder that for a moment. We have been granted access to him. Okay, we don't see him perfectly yet. But what I do see informs me. So many times we totally miss it. We try and accomplish things by our own standards. Back in the day, when lots of people still worked in factories, there was this man. And every day, he used to walk by the jewelry store on his way to work. And he would stop and set his watch by the big clock in the window. One day, The jewelry store owner happened to be standing in the doorway. He greeted the man and said, I see you set your watch by my clock. What kind of work do you do that demands that you always have the correct time every day? The man responded, I'm a watchman at the plant down the street. My my job is to blow the whistle at five o'clock. The jeweler was shocked. But you can't do that, he said. He stuttered in dismay. I set my clock by your whistle. You see too often, and the reason we need more sermons about love is we often misinterpret true love because we are looking at the wrong standard. We're looking at the wrong clock. But God had a solution. He sent his son to show us how to love. That's what we celebrate in this season. The Christ, the standard. John 15, 12 says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Remember point one, love is a mandate. But look at this. In the same way that I love you, Christ says. Jesus wanted the disciples to understand that he had a specific pattern, a specific way he wanted to show them love. Not like your mama or your daddy showed you love. Not like your girlfriend or your boyfriend showed you love. Not like your spouse or even like your kids show love. Instead, Jesus draws a line in the sand and he says, you need to love the way I want you to show love. And that is the way that I show love. So let's be honest. This is a sticking point for many of us. I can love as far as my patience will allow me to. I can love as long as you're not rude to me. Heck, I can even love as long as things go my way. But if I'm not hangry or for some of the ladies, if my friend isn't visiting and I'm not irritable, we tend to use science as a reason to be non-loving. As long as I haven't done, uh, you haven't done anything wrong to me or as long as I haven't lost my job or as long as my wife respects me, as long as traffic is going my way, you know, that's why we. Show love. That's how we justify who we should show love to. As long as the traffic isn't on my last nerves. As long as you don't say things to trigger me. 
when I was growing up, used to say something about anything else. But you talked about somebody's mama and it was on if you weren't friends with that person. And so we can't just be walking around and loving the way that we want to love. We have to discover the correct way to love. And that's what we're going to dive in today. We're going to look at the standard. We're going to look at the line that we can't cross. Does anybody know what Mason said to Dixon? We got to draw a line somewhere. Believers, we should be saying the same thing. We got to draw a line somewhere. Listen, 1 Corinthians 13 is not just uh, to be ignored during wedding vows. Everybody and their mama have been to a wedding where they, they quote 1 Corinthians 13 to symbolize the marriage union. But we don't pay attention. Why not, Christians? That is not a marriage vow uh, verse. That is for how we should be living. But how is that? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to show love? I'm glad you asked. Verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Check this out. The outworking of love is sacrificial in nature. Now that God has showed it to us, we have to abide by it. And thank God that most of us probably won't have to be put in a situation where we will actually have to physically die for another person. But we show enough a call to die to our flesh every single day on the behalf of other people. We're called to lay down our lives for the sakes of others who might not ever say thank you. We have to learn to swallow our pride, to bite our tongue. We might be in a situation where we're not able to tell anyone else besides Jesus how a particular person is acting or treating us. Why? Because God has called us to love in the way that he would love. I know this ain't an easy message already off the bat. And some of you are listening to me right now and trying to find legal loopholes around having to love like Christ. This is why we have to become more intimate with him so that we so that he can help us through these tough spots. He can help us learn to love like him because he's a Christ after all. Listen, he's not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. What an awesome statement. Jesus says, if you want to show love towards me, do what I say do. Follow my commandments. And so love is not only to be displayed towards us from God, we have to reciprocate that love through our actions by serving, by laying down our lives for what God is calling us to do. Some of you may follow me on social media and see that I had Fred Hammond on repeat early Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Uh, there were these lyrics in this song called uh, You Call Me Friend, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I hadn't listened to the song in a really long time. And as I was prepping for this message this uh, this morning, I heard that song in my head. 
And so I went to it. I pulled it up on my YouTube music playlist and I just began to rock out and I just had it on repeat. But listen to these lyrics. They say ruler of everything, your creator, Lord and King, willingly you have taken my debt as your own. I would gladly give all to be a servant or a slave, but I'm overwhelmed that you will call me friend. And then he goes on and he just jumps straight into scripture in the middle of the chorus. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Could an awesome God find common ground within just to know that you delight to be, to be with me, fills my heart with so much joy. I mean, it's not hard to see why I had that song on repeat because it was ministering to my soul this weekend. But think about it for a second. The absolute ruler of everything would like to have a relationship with you and a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with us, church. And even when we're at our worst, Christ died to make it possible. One, love is mandatory. Two, love must be experienced and is not reserved only for those we consider friends or neighbors, but also for our enemies. True love has to be experienced one by us, us experience it through God and God experiencing our obedience, two, by our friends, as well as by our enemies. Look at this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. First, off the bat, we're not supposed to only love our friends. We're supposed to love our enemies. But we're also supposed to love those who persecute us. Listen, this is what I mean for many of us to understand. Christ is not talking about those who get on our nerves or do things against us unintentionally. He's not. We get all torn up over stuff and people ain't even do it on purpose. These people ain't even thinking about you. And our stomachs are all in knots every time we see them. But what he's talking about right here is not that foolishness. He's talking about intentionally being mistreated, people pursuing you with hostile intent on purpose. He says to pray for those people. I don't know about you. That's not easy. But here's why Jesus is calling us to do it. And bottom line, we do stuff because we want to know why we're supposed to do it. Right. Like ever since we're kids, we've been trained to ask why, why. Well, Jesus gives us a why in verse 45. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Wow. That is a fascinating aspect of God's character. God wants us to love like he loves and he loves without a hint of partiality. He just doesn't only just love those who love him. He loves those who are part of his creation. 
And so we do not get to choose who we love. Is anybody else reading the Bible? Like I'm, y'all got the same Bible I got? This is hard stuff. Four, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Listen, he calls living this way that he has prescribed being perfect. Not in the sense that uh, you can't make mistakes, but in the sense that you finally get it. You must become mature. The Greek word is teleos, which basically means that you are maturing. It basically means like telescope, like there's a concept that's out here that is brought near to you. Another way of looking at that word is to realize your purpose. You've matured into the understanding of your purpose and calling and how to fulfill it. I don't care, man. I'm preaching early this Sunday morning. It's the difference between a student who is learning philosophical concepts in a book, but upon graduation, they're not quite teleos. They haven't had the concepts come to them yet. But if they go into a particular field that they got their degree in and actually start working daily with the concepts like a doctor or lawyer, a software engineer or whatever, these concepts become life to them. And now they know the purpose of when they go on their jobs and when they show up on Sunday mornings, the things that they're supposed to do, they know it more intimately. They know it more perfectly. They know it more maturely. And the longer they walk in it, the better they get at it. That's the concept here. They're not just words on the page anymore. They're not just things that the preacher said or that I listened to in a podcast or that I prayed about, but I never realized it. They are a part of me. They are maturing me, teleos, perfected. William Barclay says this, the man who cares most for men is the most perfect man. Wow. When we get to a place where we love like that, listen, church, God requires for us a type of love that reflects Christ. Not this anemic love that we can dream up in our own imaginations. He wants us to love the way that he loves. A lot of us have missed it and wonder why we can't seem to make disciples. Well, maybe it's because if uh, we stop rejoicing when those who are not inside the body of Christ are falling short. Maybe if, it's, if we stop browbeating people and just come alongside them and letting them know that Christ loves them, giving them truth in love, maybe we'll get back on God's plan. I don't know. Just a thought. I've met so many people and I've heard it a lot lately with this divisive world. Uh, people who have misinterpreted the text about the world hating us uh, because it hates Christ. Now, notice I said misinterpret because of the 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 revelation or the illumination that comes from when they hear the word, when people are hearing the word, the way that they respond is what they're misinterpreting. It's not that it doesn't say that. It absolutely says the world is going to hate you because it first hate Christ. 
right? But we believe sometimes that it gives us a recourse to hate back. And that's simply not true. We think that it gives us the ability to protect ourselves and not put ourselves in situations where people can take us from granted. As a matter of fact, Christ is saying just the opposite. They're going to hate you, but you're going to love them. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. God is not in heaven looking down on people who are doing things against his will and rubbing his hands together. I can't wait to throw them into a lake of fire. I can't wait to beat them. I can't wait to. He's no, no. God does not rejoice when people are hurting, when people are doing things opposite of his will. And he's asking us as a church to mature in the type of love that he displays towards others. You know, I'm reminded of uh, a movie from my childhood, Crocodile Dundee. When it comes to love, I think of old Mick Dundee. We often think we're doing the right thing. And when we don't experience love, it's the other person's fault. And we because we got it all together. We've perfected the thing. Right. Um, we think that our standard of love is actually uh, uh something great, but it's not the right standard we're measuring by. And Jesus said, we're just doing everything that everybody else is already doing. And we're living by other people's standards. We're setting our clocks all by the wrong time. And so anyway, back to the movie. In Crocodile Dundee, he was taking a lady on a date. And Mick is the guy's name. Mick and the lady was on a date. And these thugs uh, came out of nowhere and asked him for a smoke. And they was like, now give me your wallet. And his lady friend said, uh, give him your wallet. And Crocodile Dundee said, uh, why? He was like, why would I give a man my wallet? And so she said, he's got a knife. And then Mick looked down at his blade and kind of smirked. And that blade might have been intimidating by the standard of someone without a knife. Right. Or if someone had a butter knife or like it, it would have been intimidated. I can remember when I was growing up, switchblades. If you had a switchblade, you was crazy. You know, back in the day. Now, never mind. Won't go on that rabbit trail. Mick smiled and said, if you've seen the movie, you know, it's this famous scene from the movie. That's not a knife. And he pulled out this giant blade. And he said, that's a knife. Right. So if Christ came to earth to show people who thought they had the capacity to love how to really love, if he had a, if he had an Australian accent, he would have said, that's not love. <laughs> OK, never mind. He would have said, that's not love. Right. He will say, this is love, that someone would lay down their lives for a friend. And guess what Jesus did? He laid down his life for us. Why? So that we can experience the love of the father so that we can experience perfected love. Listen, if you're here today. And you want to know more about the meaning of Jesus's death, burial and resurrection. We want to hear from you. There will be a link on the screen and there's a link down in the description. Reach out to us. 
But here is the short of it. Humans are incapable of knowing God because we have been infected with a condition called sin. Listen, novel coronavirus ain't got nothing on sin. We're all infected with it. We're all dying from it because we were not created to die, right? But because sin came into the world, now uh, nature and our bodies, they break down and uh, it's just not how God intended us to be. But there, but we are not without despair because God had a remedy to our situation. Before he formed the world, he came up with the anecdote. Listen, we don't have to be distanced from him any longer. We don't have to walk around with a mask in order to approach God. Okay, I didn't think that through. <laughs> we don't have to wear a mask and, and, and do these things to approach God anymore. Because God has given us the antidote. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with us. Hmm. No matter how bad we think we are. Or how much we believe that we've blown it. You know, earlier I talked about uh, Corinthians 13, 12. And that God uh, knows us completely. And guess what? He knows us completely. And despite our shortcomings, despite our failures and our mistakes, he still wants to call you and me friend. He still wants to be a part of your life and my life. All we have to do is admit that we have not made him a priority. Then believe that Jesus died for our sins. We should accept the free gift of salvation and we do that by inviting him to become Lord of our lives. And that's it. We do that and we have the vaccine. We do that and we can approach God. And not only that, he comes and he dwells on the inside of us and he leads us and he directs us and he has given us his precious Holy Spirit and he has made us a promise that when we leave this planet through death or rapture, we can spend eternity with him experiencing that love. Listen, if you're here today and you're willing to take those steps, Please reach out to us at one of the links provided in the description on the screen or hit us at our website, anycommunity.church or email us at elders. At, like get a hold of us any way that you can. Fill out a connect card and tell us that you want to make a decision and we will get back with you. We'll pray for you and we'd love to have a conversation with you and help you and answer any questions you may have. We'd love to welcome you to the family of God. And for the rest of us, listen, church, before we leave, I want to take a few moments to let this word sink in a bit before we get busy with our own stuff. Sundays get busy, don't they? So I just want to take a few moments to pause and reflect. So just for the next few moments, speak to God about how you are or are not displaying love towards him and towards others. And pray about 
If you're not experiencing his love, if you're not feeling his love, if you're feeling void and empty, pray to God about that right now. And ask him to help you with the next steps on how to practically live sacrificially moving into the new year. And I'll come back and I'll give us a benediction. I pray that that was a fruitful time, that God spoke to your heart, that he allowed you to see how much he loves you and what this Christmas season really means that Jesus became Emmanuel, God with us, God living amongst us to show us the ultimate sacrifice, love. No, light, no greater love does any man have than one would lay down his life for a friend? Listen, true love requires a sacrifice. Maybe he's telling you to lay down your bad attitude. Maybe he's telling you to lay down your pride for the sake of someone else that you have pushing them on the outside. You won't let them in. Maybe they've done you wrong, but I'm telling you right now, we can't allow those things to hinder us from experiencing God in his fullness. He said it. How can you say you love me when you can't love the person right next to you that you can see? How can you expect uh, forgiveness from God when you can't forgive someone who oftentimes you're beefing with one another just because of a miscommunication? God is calling us to a mature, grown-up faith, perfected, mature love that's found in him. And I believe that God will open your eyes and your heart to allow you to experience that love like never before. Listen, don't forget Thursday is Christmas Eve. We have a parking lot service happening at 2 o'clock and 3.30 p.m. Listen, please register so we can know the appropriate amount of parking spots and how many uh, people can be at each service because there's only a, 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 a limited amount of parking because we have to do the social distance thing. And if you were at the last one, it's going to be very similar. And so we just want to get an accurate count. And perhaps if we get more and more people like last Christmas, a lot of people showed up and we ended up, you know, being filled to the brim. And so maybe we have to add another service. So we need to know those numbers. And so please, please, please help us out by letting us know. Again, it's Thursday. So register now, like soon as you register so we can know uh, and be waiting to see. you. Listen, I miss you guys so much. Can't wait to see your faces again. Um, and so it's close. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you for the love that you've displayed towards us. <laughs> that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for the undeserving. Christ died for us who, Lord, were basically at war with you. For that, we are so grateful. So, Lord, we just pray that you will continue to 
hold us accountable and help us to be a church that loves like you love. Be a church that can see past people's shortcomings and see them how you see them. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to deal even with ourselves. Even when my conscience tells me I'm a worm, Lord God. I'm grateful that your word is greater than how I feel about myself. <laughs> Father, we love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' matchless name that we pray. Amen. Listen, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, I'll see you Christmas Eve. I love you guys. Stay blessed.